This episode is sponsored by Canaccord Genuity Wealth Management, experienced wealth managers who go above and beyond to guide and support you. CanDo is more than just an attitude. CanDo is navigating today for a brighter tomorrow. Visit CanDoWealth.com. Hello and welcome to Coffee House Shots, the Spectator's daily politics podcast. I'm Isabel Hardman and I'm joined by Katie Balls and Sam Lowe. Thank you very much for joining us both. Katie, you've just been covering the Prime Minister's press conference on the Windsor framework. This is what Rishi Sunak had to say. I believe the Windsor framework marks a turning point for the people of Northern Ireland. It fixes the practical problems they face. It preserves the balance of the Belfast Good Friday Agreement. Today's agreement is written in the language of laws and treaties. But really, it's about much more than that. It's about stability in Northern Ireland. It's about real people and real businesses. It's about showing that our union that has lasted for centuries can and will endure. And it's about breaking down the barriers between us, setting aside the arguments that for too long have divided us and remembering that fellow feeling that defines us, this family of nations, this united kingdom. So is this the big Northern Ireland Protocol Agreement that's going to end the the storm and stalemate, that's going to resolve all the Brexit issues within the Conservative Party and is going to allow the UK to move on, Katie? The answer to the question is time will tell. The documents have only just gone online. We know that the DEP, Tory MPs, will be going over those lawyers to see what it all means. It's quite clear from the measures that Richard Sinek has set out. This is going to be, perhaps, as he put it, the start of a new chapter, but the relationship between the UK and the EU will still be newsworthy. It will still be something which is evolving, because if you look, for example, at the Stormont Lock, which I think is one of the most significant uh, wins for Rishi Sunak in this deal, the Stormont Break, which will allow the UK government to veto a new EU rule from ever applying in Northern Ireland, and then that can only be challenged through independent arbitration mechanisms, not the EC. It does show you that if that were to be invoked, well, what does that then mean for the relationship between the UK and the EU? So I think it's quite clear Rishi Sunak plans to proceed. And I think from the press conference when he was asked about the DUP and what they didn't back at power sharing, the decision has been made. And the question is now how many people get behind it and does it achieve all the aims that Rishi Sunak wants? When you look at what's been achieved, I think the tricky thing with that press conference was ultimately... And I can see why Rishi Sunak might have wanted to do this. There was a press conference with a Q&A at a time when not one of the journalists in the room had been able to read the agreement. So they are hearing from the Prime Minister and from the European Commission President their summary of the deal, which is obviously going to be pointed towards being very positive about it. But I think the three key changes that Sunak highlighted which um, will now be looked over to see how strong they are when you look at the legal text, was number one, I think, uh, Sunak said that 
His deal would remove any sense of a border in the Irish Sea by enabling the free flow of goods within the whole of the UK. And that relates to the green lanes. On the role of the ECJ, he pointed to the break I just mentioned, which is to stop EU laws applying, should Stormont want to. And then finally, he spoke about protecting Northern Ireland's place within the Union by ensuring that quintessentially British products, such as trees and seeds, would once again be available. So I think those are the... Those are the wins that the government wants to press and the things in the briefings have been going on. It's now just a case of seeing um, how the party and how the DP respond. I think it's interesting that there have been a few reactions and we're only you know, soon after that press conference. So, for example, Andrea Leadsom, Brexiteer Tory MP, has taken to social media to say it's a very very impressed by the progress made. Um, to the rule that it was very good changes, but that pointedly said, now it's time to wait to see how the parties in Northern Ireland respond. So you get the sense that many in the Tory party are willing to say they'll get behind it, but it's still contingent on what the DUP do. And we might not find that out for some days to come. Sam, I'm asking you a particularly difficult question uh, when, as Katie says, we don't actually have the full detail of this. But in terms of Northern Ireland's position within Europe, what are you expecting to change in terms of trade and in terms of its status within the UK? So my expectation is that it will become easier to move goods from Great Britain into Northern Ireland and that some of the existing schemes that existed to allow companies to avoid tariffs, for example, if you could prove that the good would stay in Northern Ireland, will be extended and moved into the regulatory space so companies will be able to take advantage of, for example, you mentioned the green lane, which means that if you are a trustworthy company that can prove your product is staying in Northern Ireland and you're bringing, say, food into Northern Ireland, you won't be subject to the checks that you would have been subject to Otherwise, it sounds like there will be progress on VAT, which means that in some instances, maybe for the most part, UK VAT rules will apply in Northern Ireland. And there is some positive noise on subsidies as well. I think the point I would make is that there's still going to be some differentiation. Northern Ireland will still be treated differently vis-a-vis its relationship with the EU than the rest of Great Britain. However, it sounds like it will be to a lesser extent than now. And then this, I think, takes you back to Katie's politics point, which is the question of, well, is that enough? And Katie, in terms of the ground laying, the, the, the work that's been going on over the past week in particular to get various uh, groups of Tory MPs and the DUP on side. Do you think Rishi Sunak had done enough to lay the ground up to this point? Well, I think last week we saw actually a lot of bad will towards Rishi Sunak in terms of the handling um, members of the European Research Group saying that the DUP had not been kept updated enough throughout the negotiations. They were citing the DUP approval as essential for their support, which of course didn't turn out to be the case with the original Brexit deal. But I think over the weekend, actually today, the weather looks much more in Rishi Sunak's favour. Now, we have been here before, if we just think back to all the podcasts all three of us did during the the Brexit era with Theresa May, where, you know, I remember the multiple moments when it seems as though there was about to be a great breakthrough and then it all starts to unravel quite quickly, um, which is why I do think we need to caveat it. But... (laughs) 
I do think speaking to Tory MPs today, there is a sense that they want to find a way through. I think that lots of Tory MPs do think the Rishi Sunak has got much more than they expected him to get. And I think that Stormont Lock is seen as particularly important. And one thing that the documents that have now come up say is it's because it works under the Good Friday Agreement mechanism. So you don't need a majority of the Assembly to pull it. And they think that's very significant because it means... It should allay some of the concerns. So I think that there's lots that Rishi Sunak can point to. Um, I think also the fact that the DUP haven't come out immediately. Jeffrey Donaldson this morning ultimately suggesting he, he was neither positive nor negative. Now, to number 10, that's actually a great place to be. And some in number 10 would be over the moon if they can just get to a situation where the DUP don't say they hate the deal. I think that would be seen as an important step towards power sharing being restored at Stormont because few in government expect this to be an overnight, even couple of day process by which the deal gets gone through by lawyers, which is what's going to happen now really on all sides. And then all of a sudden you have flashing cameras outside Stormont and and everything is is great. That, That is not seen as actually a realistic timeline. So I think it's looking around in that aspect. And then there's also some Tory MPs and again, that's, all of a pinch of salt who are saying this is Boris Johnson's worst nightmare. Rishi Sunak has managed to achieve a lot more than uh, David Frost and Boris Johnson did. I think this is probably, even if you want to be helpful to Rishi Sunak, not that helpful um, because there's there's a lot of um, strong opinions and pride as people pour over this. And therefore anything, I think, even if it's not a close ally of Rishi Sunak looks too triumphalist, it has a risk of backfiring and actually this fragile process going wrong. I thought it was interesting in the press conference that Rishi Sunak repeatedly tried to try and take it away from party politics. So um, when he was asked, even, even well, will you see this a failure if the DUP don't back it and you don't restore power sharing at Stormont? He would instead just talk about the people of Northern Ireland. And again, when he was asked about Boris Johnson, um, specifically and whether you know these people needed to implication just be quiet he talked again about how this was more important than just specific Westminster politics so you, you can see an attempt to try and rise above it, and I think it's partly because it's that's how you um, are more likely to get these figures to say yes but it will just be something we'll find out about maybe not even till next week and, and the vote I think is important which is Rishi Sunak confirming there will be a vote but at the appropriate time that appropriate could be doing quite a lot of work. (laughs) Sam, what does this say about Britain's relationship with the European Union now? I've had various people likening it to a a relationship that's split up a long time ago that actually finally uh, started to to move on to a more constructive plane just because of the passage of time. Do Do you think it's reach that mature stage as a result of the, uh, the the work that's been put into this framework? So I wouldn't necessarily want to go that far because I'm worried it'll come back to bite me in sort of two days' time when, when, it, when everything falls apart. But I think it's certainly in a much better place and some of that has been driven by external events. If you think about... Uh, Russia's invasion of Ukraine and the coordinated response by the UK, EU, US, Japan and others. That has helped mend some of the relationship between the UK and the EU as it is an example of an instance where we could work together with very little animosity towards shared goals. I also think the personalities involved are important in that Sunak and von der Leyen seem to get on. Sunak also seems to get on with some of the other European leaders to a degree that perhaps Johnson in particular didn't. So I think that's important. And I think one of the benefits of this agreement, if it does stick, and that's a big if, is that it could unlock for 
future EU-UK cooperation. We've already heard today that the Horizon 2020 discussion might be unlocked, but there are possibly other areas as well where improvements could be made to the trade relationship or likewise taking into account all of the political, political constraints, no single market, customs union, etc., that we could now see. But it's, I'm, I'm feeling quite positive today, but, but it still is a very big if. And we've just had the news in that Steve Baker, the minister, he was on resignation watch, um, that he, of course, never publicly said he was um, on resignation watch, has come out and said, I'm really delighted. I'm glad to accept the whole thing. The prime minister has pulled a blinder. It's a fantastic achievement for all parties to this deal for Ireland, EU, Unis and Eurosceptics. Now, of course, Baker, former chair of the ERG, which is why I think when people are saying, is this going to be a rocky point for Rishi Sunak where he starts to lose ministers? The first one people were looking to was Steve Baker. He wasn't kept very closely throughout the negotiations at all, and that added to the sense, are they trying to hide something? Now, already figures such as Nadine Doris earlier today suggested Steve Baker's endorsement wouldn't mean much because he was out against Boris Johnson. It's more to do with this, and he probably just wants to keep his ministerial job. But it's definitely, I think if we think about this in terms of what what would be bad for Downing Street to see right now? Now it'd be very bad if Steve Baker resigned. That would be very much a bellwether sign that more that at least there'd be discontent within the European Research Group. So I think on a, on a base level, things are so far going steady. Good case scenario for number ten. But again, I think both Sam and I are terrified in this podcast of just um, bonus and coming back to you in half an hour with where it all went wrong. I should but- also say that they've released fourteen separate documents in relation to this agreement. I think it's fourteen. It might be fifteen. So it means you can't even control F to find all the things that that you want to. So so so, so I'm wondering if it's going to take a little while for everyone to actually. Maybe we've got half hour before it all blows up, but yeah. a little bit longer. But because it's going to take a while. But and I think the fact MPs have had it suggested by the whips that there'll be no vote this week does point to not just the fact the number ten perhaps doesn't want to vote this week, but how how much time they think it could take for people to really go through the detail. And again, Rishi Sunak was emphasising that, saying we don't need. To, well, he said we don't need to rush this, but I mean he has already decided to do this. So, so, so it's not quite the take your time, we might change course, but adding to the sense that it looks like next week at the very earliest and it could be even longer before, before Parliament has a say. Well, we will have many more coffee house shots to uh, pick over and possibly unpick this. Uh, Sam and Katie, thank you so much and thank you for listening. <laughs>